everyone, and welcome to the Learn and Lead podcast. The Learn and Lead podcast is for educators by educators, and we want to bring the world of Arizona public education to you and our thousands of members across the state. Our objective is to provide a platform for the voices of our educator leaders, along with some amazing community allies, and have conversations about those education topics that are on everyone's mind. Hi, everyone. My name is Amber Gould. I am your AEA treasurer. And I'm Carrie Wolf, your AEA Learn and Lead Specialist. Excellent. Hey, Carrie, who do we have on the show today? We have Josh Atkins. Woo! Um, it's kind of hard to list all of your titles because you do like a thousand and one things. You're a board of directors member. You are a local leader in Paradise Valley Education Association. I'm Deep. pretty sure you're in like <laughs> six or seven committees. I know you're for sure in the Racial Social Justice Committee. At least six or seven. <laughs> and it's all because I can't say no to Carrie Wolf. <laughs> I mean, that's a good problem to have, if we're being honest. I appreciate that. <laughs> I do try to uh, collaborate with Josh as often as possible, because he's such a fantastic leader, which is why you're on the episode today, so we can talk to you about your leadership. Awesome. Thanks. Well, and you know what? Um, speaking of collaboration, I have a couple jokes that I did not collaborate with anyone on. So are you ready for, are you ready for our jokes for this episode? Okay, yes. Okay, okay. Here's my first joke. All ready? right. Uh, where do rainbows go when they get in trouble? Hmm. Do you know, Josh? Where, where do I they do. go? They go to prism. Yeah. <laughs> but it's okay because it's a light sentence. <laughs> they just refract on what they've done. I re we really got carried with that one. Yeah. That good. That good. Oh okay, my gosh. so Josh seems one. to know um, my jokes here. So what do you call a magician who's wearing a rainbow suit? Yeah, okay. Stumped you with that one. Ready for this you one? Do, you got me. Houdini. <laughs> Oh, that's good. That's good. So those are those are my rainbow <laughs> jokes for today. So um, so to that point, you want to go over what our topic is? Yes. So um, Josh is on the episode today to talk to us about how we can support LGBTQ educators across our state within our union. Um, so it's exciting that we get to um, collaborate on this opportunity because I know that some of the work that you've done at a local and a state level on this issue, but I would love to learn more. So let's dive right in. What are some of the things that you have done in advocating for LGBTQ staff and students? Um, at a local, state, and national level? Uh, sure, yeah. I serve um, on the National LGBTQ Educators Caucus at the, at the NEA level um, and have been trying to bring that down uh, to the state level so that our LGBTQ uh, plus educators have a support system, a, a group of people that um, they can talk to you about the challenges um, of being an educator and specifically the challenges of being an LGBTQ plus educator. Um, I really, uh, the safe person cards that everyone asks for and we, we know and love are something that we brought down from the national caucus level uh, to Arizona. And of course, in true AEA fashion, we made them our own. Um, and I think don't tell the NEA, but turn out a better product. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. And those are the little ID cards that you could put like on your badge and so that students and other staff members know um, that, you know, you're a safe space. And if you're interested in getting those, feel free to contact your local leader and they know how to get some ordered for you. And I'll say I even took that one step further and asked our amazing uh, graphic design uh, OC, uh, Roxanne Rash, to uh, give me the... The image. Graphic, the yeah. image, and it's part of my email signature now. 
Um, so anytime students email me, um, it's right there because I don't always wear my ID at school um, just because as a band teacher and strings teacher, like having something around my neck always isn't an option. So being able to put it in my email signature um, is just that little visual for them, for my students. Okay, so wait, so sidetrack, on top of the resume that we listed for Josh earlier, um, he's also a music teacher and culinary teacher? I teach <laughs> band, uh, orchestra, choir, and culinary at the middle school level. And then you, within PVEA, <laughs> you have a role. I'm also, yes, the vice president of PVEA and the chair of our PAC. Well, and you guys as a local do something really cool that I had never heard of. You guys do something for the for, for prom for all kids? Oh, so yes. Uh, PVEA, one of our um, kind of community outreach projects that we've done uh, for several years now is a, uh, we call it our prom closet. Um, and so we collect donations of suits and ties and shoes and dresses and makeup and jewelry and all the things that a student would need to... Um, go to prom that, you know, we realize that there are a lot of our students that um, may not have the money to spend on a, you know, a several hundred dollar dress that they're going to wear once or, or, you know, the time to go out and get a suit perfectly fitted for them uh, or rent a tux. Um, and so we opened that to all of our students. And this year we did something new where we had a smaller kind of unadvertised uh, event for, students that may not feel comfortable doing their shopping around other students. So students that are gender nonconforming or gender fluid, um, students that are trans or, you know, may not necessarily outwardly display um, gender characteristics that would match a suit or a dress, um, but wanted to the prom experience nonetheless. And so we tried to make a safe space for them to, try on things and, and see how that looked. And of course, our, our members are always there cheering them on every time someone finds their clothes. It's a, it's a big celebration. Um, so it's a way we can give back. Um, and it's also a way that we clean out our closets every year of, <laughs> of all the things we swore we were going to wear again, but never got around to. I mean, I will totally wear my prom dress from 2005. No, I won't. <laughs> well, if you need a place for it. <laughs> awesome. You know, one of the things that you've done too is you've um, chaired the racial social justice subcommittee for LGBTQ issues. And you were a huge, huge part of creating the gender affirming care report that we did as in response to a new business item at Delegate Assembly. Do you want to share some of your work on that? Sure. Um, so as we found, and as you might expect, each district has different rules. Um, uh, they partner with different um, healthcare providers and health insurance companies. And so one of the biggest confusions that our members were having, um, especially our, our members that are trans or that have trans children, what is covered by medical insurance and as far as uh, transition services, be it hormone therapy or surgeries, um, gender affirming surgeries, or just gender affirming care in, in general, um, not necessarily of the medical variety, but you know, uh, psychological services and, and things like that. Um, and we found that depending on what district you were in, that could greatly uh, affect the level of care that you as an educator or, or your family could receive for things. Uh, and so um, this kind of 
work is is another reason that you know as as AEA pushes for better healthcare options for for our members um this is definitely one of those pieces of that that it shouldn't matter what school district you happen to work in um you should be able to get the care that you or your family needs um especially around uh, gender affirmation absolutely oh my gosh and you know what's we've had so many so many of our LGBTQIA members reach out to us with concerns that they've had, not only about those issues, but like even things like just they, they're afraid to be outed um, to their students and to parents. And given the current political climate, we've seen uh, we've seen um, governing boards go after uh, teachers who are um, part of the LGBTQIA community, and it's it blows my mind that these attacks are happening. What are what's some of the advice you have for for our fellow union members who might be going through, who might have reported this, or maybe are even afraid just to say anything at all? Absolutely. Um, my first piece of advice is know your environment. You know, um, we all want to be ourselves. We all want to be out. Um, but the first thing we have to do is harm reduction. Um, it hurts me. It pains me to say this, but there are certainly school districts in Arizona where um, you being out is a, a danger to your, your health and your well-being. Um, and I, I'm hopeful that that is changing and that those districts and those areas are, are fewer and far between. But the first thing you have to think about is, is me coming out safe? And, it, and, and then the second part of that is, which is a greater harm to me? Living in a way that is not compatible with the way I feel or the, the harm that might befall you from, from being out? Um, and that's, that's not great. Um, but um, I also want to take a second to, to say, you know, as... As a, as a gay man, I can't speak for every experience. You know, the LGBTQ community is not a monolith. Um, we have lots of different experiences um, in different comfort levels and different backgrounds that we bring. And so I'm just going to speak from my experience and, and from my, my opinion, but please don't read this as a, a chart or a guide to coming out. Each situation is different. Um, and, you know, as always, we, I encourage all of our members and all the people listening to live their truth. Um, but also recognize that in some places it's not safe to do so. Well, and we've seen in certain districts where that has been a problem. And, you know, at least for the members that we've worked with, that the fact that they are members um, and they have the union there to, to back them up, and that has been powerful. But there's still a lot of work to do. Absolutely. Well, and even one of our top five educators in Arizona um, shared publicly that the AEA had his back when he was outed um, in his school district. And the fact that that was a huge part of being a union for him was that this was a place that was safe for him. And he felt like he could be his authentic selves, even if not necessarily with his colleagues, at least with his colleagues who were in the union. Um, you know, one of the things that we heard from Tammy Stoss last year in season one when she talked about the Trans Youth Parent Organization is some of the harm that can come from colleagues outing other colleagues, right? Whether that's to students, whether that's to other colleagues. Um, and it doesn't matter whether it's well-intentioned, but it does harm, right? And so one of the questions that I was wanting to ask you was, what are some of the tips and the things that you wish 
all um, people who would call themselves an ally to LGBTQ educators and students knew. And is there anything that you wish that they did? So the first thing is listen. Um, to be a good ally, you need to listen to the voices that are being marginalized and don't assume that you have any right to speak for those voices. Um, as, as, you know, as you said, it's, it's super harmful um, when a colleague outs another colleague to students or to parents or to, to other uh, employees at the school. And, and so my first piece of advice is it doesn't matter how obvious it seems to you um, unless the person that's coming out to you has made it clear that they are out to others. Uh, that is not your your job, your responsibility. That is not your duty. It is it's it's not your right to um, out that person to anyone. Um, and I think we think, especially colleague to colleague, we we kind of minimize the danger um, because we we say, well, I know that that person wouldn't mind. Like, oh, or hey, come on, it's obvious that that person's gay. Like. It, it doesn't matter. It, it, it doesn't matter at all um, how obvious it is or how you interpret another person's um, openness to um, and, and respect for the LGBTQ community. Um, unless you've been told that that person is a safe person, then, then keep it to yourself. Um, especially because if someone's coming out to you, that means they have some level of trust with you, um, and that could be a major violation. Um, and the one that's, I think, even worse than that is outing uh, an educator to other students or to, to students in, in a classroom because they don't have the same thought processes. Um, I've, through my career, had several students who have asked me if I was gay, and, and part of the calculation I have to make at the time is, why are they asking? Are they asking because we're close and they want to learn more about my life? Are they asking because they themselves might be uh, part of the LGBTQ community and are looking for an adult that can support and affirm them or, or help understand what they're going through? Or are they just gossiping, right? Are they just looking for a detail that they can go tell to all their friends and then all of a sudden... You know, you're at best the butt of a joke, at worst in, in, in serious harm because you never know how students are going to react or what their upbringing is. Um, and so I always, if students approach me about my sexuality, I've made that calculation in, in, that, in that time. Um, and if they ever approach me about another teacher, um, whether I knew or not, I, I, my response was always the same. That's a conversation for that you to have with that teacher and then reminding them to reflect on why they want to know. You know, when it comes to, to allyship and whatnot, there was, there was an interesting, you know, learning that I had um, a few years ago. I was, uh, I was, basically being interviewed with um, One in Ten, which is a, a youth center um, here in Arizona, and they do a lot of work around mainly the, uh, the you know, Phoenix metro area. Um, but I was basically interviewing to be a volunteer uh, because they had some openings at the time. And one of the, the conversation that I had with, um, with one of their staff members, we were talking, and I was like, 
listen, I, I really want to be part of this group. This is, you know, work that really speaks to me and I would love to help in whatever way. And I was like, however, I am a, a, a straight cisgendered um, white woman. And if there is someone else that would be a better fit to work with these students because they get to see someone like them, um, I am okay taking that step back. And they said, listen, they don't always have a person that looks like you and acts like you being affirming of who they are. And so that is a very important piece as well. And I kind of had to take a step back and like, oh, yeah, you know, that's true. And so I've kind of taken that mentality into my own classroom as well. And that is something that, you know, I've talked to others when they're like, hey, I don't, you know, I'm not even going to say anything regarding this situation. I'm like, well, maybe, maybe you should, maybe you should have a sticker in your classroom that says you're a safe space. Um, put those posters up so that your kids know that you are, that you are the, um, someone that they can talk to or they can go to uh, because they don't always have that affirmation. And that has totally changed how my classroom even looks on a day-to-day. It's funny you mentioned that because NEA has made a pretty um, comprehensive training on the difference between allyship and co-conspiratorship. Mm-hmm. Um, and as part of that training, they talk about like being a co-conspirator means that you have something to lose too, whether that's like privilege that you have access to, right? Or whether it's you putting your body and your mind and things on the line just as much as your colleagues are um, for a topic of something. And so even though it can feel risky in this political climate to put up that rainbow, um, you know, being in a place where you can advocate and show up, um, whether it's comfortable or not, is so powerful. And I like to think that that's one of the great things about being part of a union is that you know you won't be alone in having that rainbow up and having um, this voice and advocating for students. Also, it's the idea that by wearing one of those safe space badges or putting up a sticker or having a, a pride flag in your classroom, you're not supplanting someone else's voice you're not presuming to speak for the community right you're showing your support you're showing that level of allyship with without diminishing the people that are experiencing um or or that have are part of the lgbtqia community um so i think things like that are a great first step um we we know that there are people that jump in with both feet and are very well intentioned that tend to take over a conversation um, and speak from a place of, well, I have a friend who, or I have a cousin or a brother, right? And while those are all valid experiences, if there are other people in the space that are living that experience, um, a lot of times in an an attempt to be an ally or even a co-conspirator, we push the voices of those that are actively being marginalized aside. Yeah, that whole step up, step back, and then lift up. And I think people sometimes forget the lift up piece. You know, I, I even taking it further, Josh, so besides just hanging up a rainbow or, you know, doing those things that are visual, what else would a true ally and conspirator do within their union or within their school district? What kind of things should they be doing um, in addition to those things? Well, like you said, uh, being a co-conspirator means using your place of privilege to to sometimes put yourself in front of the people that are being actively harmed. So it's it's getting up at a board meeting and speaking against these board members that attack 
LGBTQIA educators. Um, it's, it's putting your voice, adding your voice to the chorus um, when they're on the attack, saying, and not speaking to their experience, just saying, listen, if you're going to go after one, you're coming after all of us. And those types of actions, those types of behaviors are what do it. It's actively calling out um, anti-gay, anti-trans um, language that you hear in your daily life. And sometimes this is the hardest one. I know um, like when a student will be, oh, that's so gay, or um, make a joke about a trans person um, or one of your colleagues, one of one of a, a person in your life that you hold in, in high regard says something wrong, calling it out. And that's a lot of the work that a lot of these co-conspirators or our allies are shy away from, right? It's the, I don't mind getting up in front of a thousand faceless people and saying how much I support the LGBTQIA community. But when it's my best friend or the person next door to me that is making um, hurtful and hateful comments. And you'll notice I don't use the word homophobia because I don't believe it's a fear. It's a hate. So I prefer anti-gay and anti-trans um, because homophobia makes it seem like the person doing the hate is the, the victim of a, of a psychological fear, um, which is inaccurate. Um, when it's that person next door, a lot of times people, oh, well, you know, it, they don't mean it or uh, grandma's from a different time. They just used that word. Um, and Grandma can learn. Grandma can learn, right? <laughs> as long as you're breathing, you can still learn. Um, so it's even when it's personal, even when it hits close to home, it's, you don't get to choose. When you're a true co-conspirator, you don't get to choose when you do it. It's whenever it comes up, you have to be right there. You know, to that, I think another thing people need to do is please vote. Yes, that <laughs> and, as well. And vote for candidates that are supportive of, of pro-public education policy and that are supportive of our, of our students and everything that they're going to. The fact that we had, like, the fact that we had legislation and policy try to make its way into schools this year that would make it so that students couldn't use their the pronouns that they that we have issues where in our our systems, like our computer systems, where students have to go by their dead name in our systems, it blows my mind that these things are still happening, and it's because we we are not electing people who are going to help with that work. And so, listen, at the end of the day, we need to make sure that not only we're voting for those people, then we're actually being active around the campaigns to get people elected, especially at the school board level, because so much of this happens at the school board. And the fact that we have school board members that are openly attacking LGBTQIA students and teachers and staff should not be happening right now. And it is. Well, so, and even further than that, I just, first of all, turn the podcast up, however you need to do this to amplify this, because I can't say it enough. Those laws did not pass. We were able to defeat them. And yet we're hearing from districts that you're that people are adopting policies that are saying, oh, well, the law says we have to out our students. That none of that passed. And none of it happened. No, none of it passed. None but we of have it. school board members that, that was their intention right. anyway. Right. So we need to vote those ones out. <laughs> 
thank goodness for Katie Hobbs, who was able to veto that heinous bill that would would have required teachers to out their students to their parents. So be sure that you're watching those governing board meetings and that nothing like that comes your way. And if you hear something that you're not sure about, if it's really in policy or law, reach out to AEA Help Desk, please. Um, because sometimes districts are adopting old versions of policies and bills because they're nervous about the impact it's going to have on the general public. So be part of those conversations and attend one of our LGBTQIA plus um, ally trainings uh, where we talk about Title IX and Title VII protections that actually are federal protections for using the name and pronouns that a student needs. So please, please, please be in contact and be aware and don't be bamboozled. <laughs> yeah, just the, the rhetoric that's out there right now has really permeated into, into what we have to do on a day-to-day -day as educators. And, you know, as educators, we have to do what's right by our students and we have to fight and stand up against that rhetoric. And, uh, and I'll say this, uh, um, as educators, you know, as, as we said, you know, not outing our colleagues to students, being sure that we're not outing our students to colleagues um, mm -hmm. is, is a huge part of that. Um, this whole part of what made this bill so heinous that that was not passed, again, not passed, not, not law, um, is that it forced outing, which studies have shown we know that that does so much harm. Um, and... And so there are just so many little things that you can do as a teacher to make sure that you're calling students by their their affirmed name, the name that they uh, go by. Uh, and it's as easy as like a Google form at the beginning of the year, asking them their legal name and the name that they, uh, their chosen name or their affirmed name and asking them when it's safe to use it. When I call home, which mm -hmm. name should I call you? Um, we, we've seen this, I've seen this come up in IEP meetings. When I'm sitting in an IEP meeting and I've got a table full of teachers um, and district personnel and parents, it's okay, you know, and, and, and maybe pulling that student aside before that meeting and saying, okay, we're going to go into this meeting. And because at the middle school and high school level, students are in those meetings um, and, and saying, what name should I call you by? Here's who's going to be in the room. Let me know. What, how do you want me to address you? Um, so that way we don't have teachers or parents necessarily finding out for the first time in that IEP meeting, and now we're all derailed from what we're actually there to talk about, which is the, the learning needs of our students. So knowing the role that you play at the local level, Josh, what are some things that you think, um, what is the role of the union in advocating for our LGBTQIA uh, students and staff? The first thing I, I really that I think we struggle with more so with our LGBTQIA community than maybe some other communities, minority communities, um, is that it's harder to identify who these educators are. Um, it's not necessarily a physical manifestation. Um, again, we've talked about you, you can be 100% sure, right? You can um, have a gut feeling or whatever. Um, but unless people are choosing to identify uh, and, and be out, it's very hard to find out who these educators are and bring them into community. And so the first thing is you need to actively be working to make a safe space for LGBTQIA educators. That means 
more than just changing your rainbow logo to a rainbow for June, mm-hmm. uh, and then you know switching it back. Um, I'm I'm really glad that we're doing this podcast now and not during Pride Month because um, I think that is a, a step to show that these are issues that affect educators year round. We can't just think about these things in June. We can't just issue our statement in June that says, you know, the exec board of insert local, you know, affirms our LGBTQI educators and then do nothing for them the other 11 months of the year. Yes. Um, It's more than you can't just be comfortable saying, well, you know, I, I think everybody knows how I feel about LGBTQIA educators because I can tell you, no, they don't. Um, even as a member of that community myself, I have to be explicit with my students that are also LGBTQIA, right? Like, I can't just assume that they know and that because I am a gay man that my classroom is automatically a safe space um, for, let, let's say, a trans or non-binary student um, we've seen too many in the lgbtq community who uh, specifically uh, gay men um, lesbians and bisexual people that would actively cut out trans people because i've got my rights what do i care about yours like you're holding us back and that is that's damaging and to our trans students like nothing you can't assume anything You need to be explicit with it and then explicit with your actions. Are you creating events that are safe spaces for for this population? Are you providing resources visually, uh, um, actively providing these resources for your teachers, sending them out to everyone? Um, It's the same argument that goes with using your pronouns and having your pronouns in your email signature and introducing yourself with your pronouns. Everyone may be able to tell that you are um, a cisgendered woman and that you use the pronouns she, her. But by saying it, that provides that space for those who maybe um, do not outwardly show gender characteristics that most people would associate with a female. Um, It gives them the space, and they're no longer feeling like they're the odd one out because they have to specify their pronouns. It's seeking out trainings and professional development and other ways of informing your members um, because just like our LGBTQIA community isn't a monolith, neither are our locals, right? Our locals are full of people across the political spectrum. And so um, we saw we see it at the RA every year when we discuss these things where there are people that, that rage against things like putting pronouns on badges within, within our, within our union. Um, and I think the NEA does a, a really great job. I think they are a model to look to, um, for states and, and locals, uh, as ways to create spaces where LGBTQIA educators feel safe to be who they are. And then once they're safe to be who they are, they're safe to find others that have, a similar lived experience. And then from there, that's where we move forward into the process of using those lived experiences to build a stronger union. 
You know, one of the things that you alluded to earlier was um, sometimes there's like an expectation from others that one person who's part of the LGBTQ community speaks for all and has to educate everyone else. Um, and Josh and I were fortunate enough to attend a wonderful National Equity Project um, training in Oakland around coaching for equity. And one of the things that stuck with me when we were there was the trainer saying, um, mind what's yours um, and don't try to take on what is not yours. And so it's not our responsibility to educate non-LGBTQ educators um, about the community because everyone has access to the internet and everyone <laughs> can GTS, Google that uh, stuff. <laughs> so just know that like there's there's not, we shouldn't put the pressure and the, um, the responsibility on our LGBTQ educators to explain what all these words mean we all have access to resources where we can educate ourselves, whether it's social media. I mean, TikTok has tons of stuff, right? That's very educational sometimes. Um, <laughs> and then there's like, I mean, there's Google. There's so many resources out there that you can go to to learn what these terms mean without having to make it someone else's job to teach you. Well, and, and again, know your people. If it's someone that you feel very close to and, and you have developed a good relationship I don't think it's it's off base as long as you as the receiver of the information realize that this is not speaking for every LGBTQ person um, that exists. You know, I, I say it all the time. Google works. Uh, and if then if you have deeper questions, then of course, like, um, and again, speaking for myself, like if you've done the base, basic research and the basic educating of yourself and have deeper questions and want to truly understand, again, why are you asking? Are you asking because you feel that you're entitled to know that information about someone? Um, it's nobody's responsibility to come out to you. It's no one's responsibility to justify their gender or their sexual orientation um, or their gender identity or expression. If you're coming in from a place of true understanding, of true, I want to get to know Josh the person better and understanding that my queerness, my, my gayness is part of that person, then I don't, you know, that, and, I, and I would say that probably most LGBTQIA people would have no problem uh, because you've done the work and you've built a relationship and it's, it's furthering that relationship. If it's like... Oh, everyone's wondering. Everyone around the water cooler is wondering. Um, you know, I, I've heard just, and, and people don't realize sometimes that they're being hateful. I had someone ask me once, what is this insert person's name? And I was like, what, what do you mean, what is? Oh, you know, like, what are, you know, and, and they were getting at, um, this person ha happened to be trans, like, they were getting at me trying to tell them what their gender was. And I said, that's not a conversation for me. I, I don't want to participate in gossip and, and make people feel that they are beholden to you to, to let you know how they identify. That's not anyone's job. That's so objectifying, too. Well, like, what? Yeah. Remembering that no one owes you anything about themselves. Everyone is an individual onto themselves and what they choose to share with you should be seen as a gift, uh, not as an obligation. Ooh, mic drop. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> well, does that bring us to homework, Carrie? 
I think it does. I think we're there. <laughs> all right. Well, um, thank you so much, Josh, for all of this. And at the end of each episode, we do give uh, we do give our listeners a little bit of homework. The first piece of homework is I want you to kind of go back to the beginning of this episode and listen to the awesome theme song um, <laughs> because Josh actually wrote that for us. Um, so thank you for that. Well, you'll hear it a little bit in the outro too, but you know. <laughs> But that was really, really neat. Um, the other piece of homework is I want you all to go to the ArizonaEA.org website um, and look under professional development because underneath there, we do have a webinar posted on how to be an LGBTQIA plus ally in education. Um, and so just knowing that that information to start that journey to allyship, um, we already have it there for you. And should you have any questions, definitely reach out um, and we will be uh, we will be doing a lot more content like that. Um, as the year progresses. And you can also request that it be brought to you at a local level. Um, and Josh, you have some homework as well for our LGBTQIA educators. I, I do. Um, we are uh, putting together a first of its kind LGBTQIA plus educator social on October 14th. Did I get that date right, Carrie? Yes. I did from 4th to 530. And this is um, going to be a space where LGBTQIA educators can come and just hang out and get to know each other and make connections uh, from across the state. Um, we wanted to provide a safe space for people to come. Um, obviously, it's open to anyone. Um, we're not going to ask for your LGBTQIA card at the door. Um, <laughs> so please come and um, visit with other, other educators from across the state um, who may have a shared life experience with you. Um, it's going to be a really great time. We want to give a special shout out to Josh Adkins from Paradise Valley Education Association for composing our theme song and another shout out to Carrie Wolf for producing each episode. If you want more information on other learn and lead opportunities and professional development made for educators and by educators, check out ArizonaEA.org slash professional dash excellence or reach out to your local president. If you're not currently a member and want to be part of creating opportunity for all students through the power of public education, you can join the Arizona Education Association by going to ArizonaEA.org backslash join. And that's the bell.